When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. News team, assemble! It's time for the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer Eddie Radosevich. It's the unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. All right, welcome back. We are back from Frisco, Texas, as uh, the uh, Josh uh, McQuistian joins us from Houston, but Eddie Radosevich and Bob Presbillo here in studio. Uh, we have all made our way back from Frisco, Texas, from Big 12 Media Days, where it was an enjoyable uh, day and a half, and getting to spend some time uh, talking to Lincoln Riley and the players, uh, ask them some questions. Not all answers were, not all questions were answered, uh, particularly the Jalen Redmond thing. We were kind of looking forward to uh, being able to uh, maybe get some clarification on that, but still, uh, his future still sounds to be up in the air. Uh, as he's continuing to, Lincoln said he didn't have enough information yet. Uh, but, you know, I, I was it was fun kind of getting to see Brian Baldinger, or Baldy as he termed himself. Like, here's the thing. Are you cool? Or are you Brian Baldinger referring to him third person? It's a hard G. As ba- a Baldinger. Baldinger? Yes. Yeah. He's kind of a loser. Like, you cannot say your own nickname. Can you like in a, if in a you're, press conference? If you're as setting, cool as Baldy, off, like, yeah. Hey, it's Brian. It's Brian uh, Baldinger. Baldy. He, he also didn't understand the concept of holding a microphone. It amplifies your voice, so you don't need to yell. But he has hair. He has plenty of hair. That's a He's, horrible nickname. I think it's more the a play on on his last name, right? Just because you're holding a microphone does not mean you can't yell. Yeah, <laughs> <Josh>. touche. <laughs> We've all learned that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, so anyway, it was it was the strangest Big Twelve media days I've ever been to. I want to send quickly a special thank you to our own Josh McQuistian, who is on vacation this week, but still doing the podcast. I will be doing the same next week. Dedication. I have to take vacation because it's the last week I can take vacation before the year's over for radio. So, guess what I'm going to do? Work at Sooner Scoop for a week without working on radio. Staycation. I'll probably get drunk, so pay attention to my Twitter. Yes. Josh has already admitted that his staycation has mainly been drinking. How many nights uh, in a row have you been drunk now, Josh? Really, it was only Sunday. I I have. I had a few. um, I've had a few new bourbons. I was trying, and so I kind of got into that a little bit. And then uh, over the last couple nights, I've kind of continued to drink on a few of those that I liked and that kind of deal. But no. No total chaos. Pretty pretty relaxed. Let me ask you, how do you test that? Do you go and get like the little pint bottles at the store? Do you read up on it? I mean, is there a bourbon weekly, bourbon digest that you go take recommendations from? 
there is actually, and I've always been someone who just kind of like reads. Not you know, our let's board dive always into a, pretentious Josh for just a moment. Yes, yeah. Let's 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 get to him. You know, we need to hear from you know the asshole side of myself. Um, no, I, I think um, th- there's actually a group here in Houston called Houston Bourbon Society, and there's several guys. It's a big Facebook group, about 3,500 people. And these guys, like, I kind of thought I knew bourbon, and then I listened to them, and I'm like, holy sh... I mean, these guys, like, they're guys that have seven bottles that are probably $500 or more sitting somewhere in their house. And I'm like, I I don't live in that world. But, you know, uh, they try stuff, and they're like, oh, that's good, that's not good. And so I kind of go off that. And there's actually a restaurant here in Houston called Whiskey Cake that has just a massive whiskey collection. And so I go in there, and I'll try a few things. That's right, they do, don't they? Yeah, yep. you're not. So it's special, awesome. Josh. It's very cool. How many big ass trucks are in the parking lot at that event? Oh my god! I bet it's just a. <laughs> How many Ford F nine fifties? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, you probably know, a lot of Mercedes SUVs. I think say it's become kind of a pretentious thing now. Like it's not really like there's no dudes walking in there with cowboy boots. It's guys that are you know in hipster glasses and they have like. You know their uh, suspenders on and that kind of shit. They're they're different kind of dude. Are we? Are, isn't that dying? Can, can isn't that? Can we not like when I go to downtown Norman now and you see guys in this weather that are wearing their t-shirts and their their white t-shirts with their plaid shorts with their giant beards? I just want to roll down my window and say it's over. Give it up. Mumford and Sons is passe now. Like we can can we get past it? That's so 2015. It really is. Or is it like 2014? I I don't know. I I mean, it might be 2016. I don't really. uh, I can't say that I. When did Mumford's first album come out? Gosh, I don't know. I can't say that I'm a. Would you just look it up? You've got a computer sitting right in front of you. Well, the thing about it is, is I remember my only 2012 is when that I Will Wait song came out. Wow. Yeah, because that was at the, was at the Jerry World. That was the Jerry yeah. World. That was the thing theme of the video. So that was their second album. Six Johnny Manziel ago. was doing key bumps to the rhythm of that. <laughs> I actually love that video. It was awesome. Yeah. It was badass. Except but it was six those, years ago. That whole those, thing was awesome. They had the, the legendary tour sto- Toy Story cheerleaders come in. Yeah, and they Who had... Were, what were the name of those cheerleaders? Oh, um... They were like the... I... They had the the guy that did the the painting was badass too at that dinner. Yeah, he was really good. That was a good dinner too. Awesome. I thought all of Jerry's dime. Jerry, usually like when you go to Jerry World and stuff, like the food is fantastic, as good as it is anywhere. I thought it was kind of a letdown the the spread at Frisco. Of course, yeah, they we announced got the, we got the most the ridiculous thing that this is going back to Ar- or going to Arlington yes. next year for I, the next two years. That sucks. It, it couldn't this, have been a better setup with I know. Romney right Perfect there. Setup. It's not. It's not too big. Like it's gonna look stupid inside of Jerry World. Big really Rangers. dumb. Yes, really dumb. And I they'll agree. probably have it all spread out. It's just a bad idea. It's a terrible idea. Actually, I, d- I don't understand. But leave it up to the Big Twelve to make a dumbass decision, and that's well, what you, get. you know, they didn't make that. You know, Jerry made that decision. He probably could make more money having some other event. Well, you know what they didn't, uh, you know what the one thing that they didn't get out of the Omni was, they have to pay for parking. Yep. Yeah, that was nice. I, I guarantee you we'll go down there next next year, there'll be like a $20 parking fee. I hope the hell not. 
I guarantee the park at Jerry World from Media Days. Yes, there probably will be. I said this, and Eddie's not going to agree with me at all. I don't think. I because people keep asking me, and they kept asking me leading up to it, like, is the public allowed to go? And to me, I think the public should be allowed to go because it looks ridiculous when you're in there. And those banners are hanging from the sky, and they've got this giant TV, and they're playing the press conference. Like, who is that for? Because the media doesn't give two shits about the trophies. They had like a trophy presentation. They had the 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 national championship trophy, the Fiesta Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Sugar Bowl trophy cactus was bowl. there. Cactus Bowl. The Cactus Bowl. Don't yeah, forget Eddie, about the Cactus Bowl. Eddie slandered the the Cactus Bowl on Twitter. Not really. You slandered it's the them. one they all play for. <laughs> Everybody the, wants to the go trophy there. itself was pretty nice though. Yeah, well, the Fiesta Bowl trophy is awesome. Like if you, I don't think that was the real one. I think that was a traveling. The real Fiesta Bowl trophy is a work of art, but that's not the one they give you to take home. But like, but like, who is that for? It's not the players. Don't really care. They're just they're shuffling in and out there. They're doing their TV stuff. They don't really notice it. Like to me, this would be, and they've got the coaches on speakers, like. If you had like season ticket holders and they could come to media day and maybe they could have like an autograph signing, but they could sit in the stands and listen to their head coach answer questions for an hour and a half, as long as they didn't yell boo people because they asked a hard question or something, I wouldn't have a a problem. Like you need to have like a marshal, like the hold a quiet please sign. Like at a golf tournament? Yes. They, uh, I mean, if people want to do that, fine, but I'm just telling you, it's, I don't think, I think people have this idea that. Like the Big Twelve Media Day, or it's know, an event. Yeah, like there's there's a bunch of stuff to do when they're really it's because they see the Instagram and they think, oh, photo shoots. Like nobody is around. That's in a closed room somewhere. Right. I don't know. I mean, if people want to do that, fine. I I don't stop. It'd I need to stop worrying about the other crisis people. actors at the SEC Media Day. You think those are crisis actors? Yes. All the way down from uh, the, they're homeless, the Northeast. they're invalids, and they're uh, ju- they're from juvie. I could, I could see that. They go to the nearest juvenile detention center to get kids and say, you're going to get out of the cage for a day, but you have to hold a Nick Saban helmet. <laughs> you, have to, you, have to wear a, you have to wear a Vanderbilt jersey. That's your I mean, sentence. those people have to have jobs year-round. I mean, it's a slow time of the year for crisis. I mean, well, and it's probably just another way to... Uh, they probably pay them in food stamps. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, yeah. I guess it was in Atlanta, so that's probably a pretty good Bob idea. Bob stole a bunch of nice Chick-fil-A uh, I sure did. St- chicken sandwiches cards for me. No doubt. Now, unfortunately, all expire in October, so we got to really get... Really got to start getting You got to get to them quickly. did you take? You only gave me three. Did you take like ten? Yeah, around there. <laughs> Where were they? Over by the media guide. Yeah, you oh, remember? Yeah. I saw those and didn't even realize that's what those were. Yeah, any, I got anytime you go to a, a, a bowl game anymore, Chick-fil-A gives you like a... Like, sometimes you get like a $15 card. And if people don't show up by kickoff, I take their cards. Absolutely. They won't know any better. No doubt. Off The <laughs> Our Father on the back. I, the See, son. once again, we go on a road trip and Bob makes himself useful. He steals Chick-fil-A for me. Now, this was Bob's the best thing that's ever happened. This was a little different because it was only for the original chicken sandwich. There was no yeah, other, you can't no get other like option. The, you can't pick like the kale salad if that's really what you go to Chick Fil A for, which nobody goes for. No, like breakfast options. It was just. Like, why do you just need a, a kale salad at Chick Fil A? You're already eating moderately healthy. 
Like, if I eat Chick-fil-A and I get drunk, I don't feel bad the next day. If I, you know, go to McDonald's and get drunk, I feel terrible the next day. Makes sense. So it's, it's that's, that's, my, that's how I judge whether food is clean or not. Like, Panera is always talking about clean food. If you feel shitty after the next day? If you feel shitty, if you get drunk, eat something, and feel shitty the next day, it's not clean food. Agree with that. Uh, we have so much audio. Uh, Lincoln Riley, of course, talked for an hour and a half. A lot of it, uh, Josh, you'll be happy to hear, is recruiting related. Is recruiting, like every other answer. And, and this is what, to me, guys, is... I said this like... Okay, first off, let's not bury the lead here. Tom Herman came off as a weirdo at Big 12 Media Days. You... I'm, I'm almost starting to like Tom Herman more because you have to be committed to be that big of an asshole 24-7. I don't even think it was asshole. It was more like condescending. He's, he's condescending, is, but he does it so naturally. It, it, it's unbelievable how... Like, I can see why Malik Jeff- Jefferson hated him. Yeah. It's, and with today's news, we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, just with everything that we've seen on Twitter today between Deshaun Elliott and the Foreman brothers' father... And Nick Benito, you can tell that he rubs people the wrong way. Look, Texas had a lot of changes going on in their athletic department when he was hired. But I never saw the potential. I'm not saying he's a train wreck, but there's a huge bust potential there right now. I mean, if he goes seven and six again this year, don't you think this he's is a train wreck? This is a massive year for them to get over the hump, because if they don't, I think that there's going to be a lot of people that just kind of throw their hands up in there and say, well, I don't know if it's ever going to happen down there. He was the savior. If it's not him, who's going to be that next anointed one? They're going back. If, if it doesn't work with Tom Herman, they're going to force the Mac Brown model back on, on to the University of Texas. Bring which is back Mac. All about high school coaches, only recruit kids from the state of Texas. Because that's the last thing that worked. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be the equivalent of when OU hired John Blake to bring back the bone. Because it'll, it'll be a long time. I mean, Barry Switzer's 88. John Blake came back in 94? What year? Did uh, 96. 96. Because Schnellenberger's so run of terror was 95. Yes. So that was an eight-year difference. Texas hasn't been... I mean, when was the last time? 2009? Was that the like, last time that think Texas about that. was Between relevant? Between Barry Switzer and John Blake, that was just eight years. Yeah. And Texas is right now on a so nine-year run. So 2009, nine year run. they went to the national championship. Or eight-year run, And then run, it I went guess, off the cliff. So they're at nine years. I don't know. It's they're, they're at the same point between, I mean, of course, 99. So 11 years before Bob Stoops came back after Barry Switzer. They're approaching that type of a... They've never been as bad as they were under John Blake. But, my God, they've been... As futile. I mean, well, because they've never, they all have always had talent down there, right? They don't. It's not like they've just recruited. Just I mean, a bad I recruiting watched the year. Texas game last night. I mean, you mentioned Malik Jefferson. I mean, they don't have a damn running back. Down I mean, there was right the now. last time the University of Texas had a running back where you're like, oh, I wish I had him. Mm. What about Foreman? Well, I mean, two years ago, Foreman. Foreman. He was just. I mean, to me, he was he had a workhorse. Yeah, he was. He, he was. wasn't. He. I mean, he's done well at Houston and stuff. But 
I don't I don't look at him and say, boy, every team in the country like was he any better than Samaj P. Ryan? Was he better than Samaj Oh, you P. mean Ryan? like he was just the guy kind of in the Big Twelve? Yeah, I mean I'm saying no, a no, I mean, special like, guy since like had a, a guy like that. Like yeah. a, and I'm not even talking like Earl Campbell, Adrian Peterson, but I am talking like Justice Hill. I did think Chris Warren was gonna be that guy, so I I was wrong there. What said Benson? Yeah, I think Sed Benson's probably the last nationally great running back that they've had. Of course, Deontay Foreman was up for sure. Sure, uh, Doak, did he win the Doak Walker? I think he did. I think yeah, he, did. he should. I think you're he right. Should have. Yeah, I'm not giving right. him enough credit. I mean, but at the same time, like <laughs> he was he was going to get seven thousand carries just right, because they exactly. had nothing else offensively. Because Tyrone Swoops was his quarterback, right? Or was he post Swoops? That was. That was the Gerard Hurd oh, year, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, it, and it's, he only became the quarterback because nobody else wanted it. Or the, and that's really your answer. Yeah. Like all the quarterback garbage at Texas just runs together since Colt McCoy. Like it's tough to keep track, even for us who cover Oklahoma, obviously, and we have proximity to Texas. There's an there's a reason for us to pay attention, and it's hard for me to remember year to year who was their guy. Case McCoy. I mean, he was a starter for them. Think about that. He's probably only a starter because his last name was McCoy. Uh, I mean, Although he shredded look at it, though. One year. He did shred. <laughs> Garrett Gilbert, David Ash, Case McCoy, Gerard Hurd, Sam Ellinger. Uh, it's hard, G. Shane, yeah, I got to get it right. Shane, Shane Bouchelle. I mean, wow. there's... I mean, Cameron there, Rising, you would think... Like, if, if Cameron Rising was really... A super, the, a superstar. Yeah, a superstar. Yeah. He would have been talked about yesterday. That's that's kind of my feeling too. It's if and I'll, I'll own it. If he's the guy I thought he was, I, I feel like he already should have. He should be pushing for time. I know we probably want to get into OU, but it just I'd I'd add this with Tom Herman that I thought there was some interesting stuff that he said yesterday, and it almost made me pause for a minute and think that. Maybe they do end up going with one of the freshmen before it's all said and done this year because he said something to the effect of uh, building a program and building a team around a guy. You want somebody that's going to be there for the long haul uh, when talking about the quarterback. And I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting the way that I forget exactly how he worded it, but it definitely made me think that maybe in the long run of things. Well, the first thing I thought was Shane Bichelle is going to transfer at some point. He's probably not going to be there for very long. Then the other thought I had was uh, maybe they do go with one of the freshmen, whether it be Casey Thompson or Cam Rising. Well, you know, with Shane, if he can graduate in three years, yeah, he could get that be graduate transfer yeah. with two with yeah. uh, two years coming up. I mean, that'd be funny if OU dodged two bullets with Shane Bouchelle Shane and, and uh, Cam Rising that both went to Texas, both were one-time commitments. Yeah, and, I mean, and then, I, and then Casey Thompson is the one that ends up winning the Heisman when <laughs> <laughs> it's all said and done. Whoops! How about that? Well, look, I I think it's pretty cut and clear. It's just like you know, trying to say Kyler Murray is your starting quarterback, and everyone just assuming that's the way it's going to work out because that's probably the way it's going to work out. Like Sam Ellinger to me seems like the logical choice. I mean, he's not the greatest quarterback in the world. I think he'd be. Able, I think he's gonna. If if he can just not get concussed, I, right? I, you you had to like what you saw but out of him. That's a big if. At point. That's a big if. I mean, he got concussed against Especially OU and long. OSU last year. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yes. And they lost their best offensive lineman. Yeah. 
Now, to be fair, he didn't play in an Oklahoma game, and I don't think he did. He no, he didn't play against Oklahoma State, did he? Who's that? I don't remember when he got no, hurt. Ellinger Connor did Williams. because Connor he threw Williams. that Connor. No, oh, Connor Williams. No, yeah, yeah. no. I mean, now yeah, they got the, the Calvin Anderson kid, who's obviously a good player. He's got some NFL prospects, but I mean, that one transfer in from Rice is not going to solve your offensive line problems. Yeah. Well, man, I mean, that's another like head scratcher. Like you went played for that guy. I think he. I think he probably Josh. You probably or Bob, one of you two. He probably would say I committed to play for Herb Hand rather than I committed to play for Tom Herman. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Or maybe like, it was really he, about... he mentioned Hand time and time again. Yeah. To him, oh, it was... he loved Herb Hand. You yeah. also have to remember though that he he's from Austin. Right. I mean, you know, he's a Westlake kid, so I mean, there's there there's plenty of you know just proximity there that makes sense to him. Or maybe it's option C, and I think we all know what that is. Maybe he's just a pussy and didn't want to earn a job at Oklahoma. Wow. It, 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 that's option C. It's option you know. C. I'm just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's an option. I, mm, it could I, don't, be an I don't option. think that's it. You don't? I mean, because there's a lot of things I'll call Tom Herman. I don't think soft is one of the things I'd call Tom yeah, Herman. No, not Tom right. Herman. Calvin Anderson. Well, no, I mean, but just He said he would go play for a coach that is known to be an asshole. Oh, I, I got you. If he was yeah. soft. Yeah. That's, I mean. All right. So now, if, if, if to what Kerry's talking about, the Mac Brown era, soft, super soft. Tom Herman's not that guy. All right. Uh, since this is not the Orange Bloods podcast. <laughs> Seriously. We'll move on. We'll, to, send, uh, we'll send that first part to catch, and he can just put it on their <laughs> podcast. I'm sure they would love that. Uh, Lincoln Riley. Basically, uh, and I think it was Baldinger, wasn't it? Wasn't it Baldy that he uh, dressed down in his yes, his yes, it was mm-hmm. his podium interview, uh, because he posed a question as if Kyler Murray was a starting quarterback and what he would bring to the table, how his offense would change, and he shut that shit down. And he was like, "Nah, I haven't named a starting quarterback yet." That became a re. It's just like with with Mike Gundy, you know, when he did his. Now we're doing the go pokes or the oh, that's bad to say the O State Illustrated. Sorry, I'm gonna have to edit that shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one was in Frisco, one wasn't. It's fact. Okay, that thank you for saving my edit. Anyway, uh, like the Mike Gundy thing, not addressing the the Mike Holder stuff at the podium, but then addressing it later and diffusing it. Lincoln Riley, uh was you know off during the one and a half hour breakout session and i think people were thinking okay maybe if we ask this question a little bit differently he'll admit that kyler murray you know might be more of his guy than he's letting on and uh, i'll give you two people one uh our buddy carson cunningham who we like very much is very complimentary to the podcast every time we see him he uh, tries to pose the question as any sane normal person probably would in terms of Lincoln Riley saying that Kyler Murray wasn't going to be a starter. When you announced that Kyler was not a starter yet, I think most people are skeptical because he came back after signing that contract with the A's. I think a lot of people expect him to be the starter, but what do you say to those skeptics that say you're just... Oh, you guys, you guys all knew I got hired as offensive coordinator before I did. You guys all knew I was going to be the head coach before I did. So if, if this was already done, you trust me, you'd know that too. <laughs> so it's, 
Keller gets it, you know, Austin gets it, you know, that's, you know, they can think what they want on the outside, but I mean, Keller came back knowing this was going to be a competition. He, he knew the deal. Uh, Austin knows the deal. The whole team knows the deal. Um, we don't have anything to hide on it. And then uh, another friend of the pod, uh, Jason Kersey, uh, took his try at it as well. From a purely practical perspective, if he doesn't know he's going to be the quarterback, why would he have come back? Yeah, he, loved, he loves football. He just—he simply loves football. I know a lot of people have a hard time believing that, because but you know, money's not everything to some people, and he just—you know—he. Not to say that doesn't factor in. I'm sure it does, but I mean, the kid just—he loves football, and uh, so again, I don't think the decision would have been made three years ago. I don't think I'd have had the peace of mind and clarity the whole time through when everybody else was in the state was probably losing, losing sleep over it. You know, I mean. Known for a long time, this is what he wanted to do. So that's, like I said, if it if he if he knew, then everybody else would know too. And it, it, we had this kind of discussion, but first off, I'll just throw it to the floor: BS or not? I think it's somewhere in the middle. I do. I think that they haven't made a, a decision inside the program, inside how in house. Probably that not. That is known to everybody, right? Probably yeah. not. I think that. You could make the argument, and you know, I I hate being that guy to base it off of this, but Austin Kendall kind of outplayed Kyler Murray. He did, in the from what game. we saw. Yeah. So I I think that it's a little bit in between. Do I think that it's closer than everybody thinks? Probably so. But do I think that Kyler Murray is going to be the starter on September first? A hundred and twenty percent, I do. Just sense a different enthusiasm from the players when they talk about Kyler compared to Austin. It, Put it this way: During the breakout session, nobody was bringing up Austin Kendall. And yeah. when you talk to like Kenneth Murray talking about summer workouts and stuff like right. that, it's talking about going up against K one or you know I I can't remember or Ben Powers talking about he didn't really say like who he wanted back there, but you could tell that it he kind of leaned towards Kyler maybe a little bit more than than anybody else. So I I, I think it's somewhere in the middle though. I I definitely think that. I don't think Austin Kendall's a scrub. I guess that's what think, I'm trying to say. I think Austin Kendall is one of those guys that has his teammates respect. Yeah, for sure. And he's for a competitor. out for doing yeah. the things that he's, he's done. He's a competitor, and when he goes out there and he has to make plays, he can make plays. But I think you know it's also known that Kyler Murray is a different, you know, he, he's a different type of problem. Mm-hmm. That he can do things that very few people on a football field can do. But literally, I'll say, literally in the country, yeah. there's, he can do things that other people can't. And I'll say this: I, I, Lincoln is just doing what Lincoln has to do because, for one, you've got Kyler Murray who is getting a five million dollars signing bonus from baseball. Uh, you need him to compete to win the job, so he's sharp when the season starts. You don't want to just hand it to him and say, and have a guy that might have it in the back of his mind. Well, if this doesn't work out. I got $5 million in the bank and I'm going to go play baseball. Like make him fight for the job. And in the, in the meantime, put him in some pressure situations, see what happens. Maybe Austin Kendall surprises you a little bit. Maybe you think about, you know, what if I could play both of them? Could they both do something different? Also, Kyler Murray's not the biggest guy in the world. If he gets hurt, you want Austin Kendall to have taken as many snaps as possible in preseason to be ready in case that happens. And, Kyler Murray's only here for a year. Austin Kendall could step in a year from now and have one great season at a, at a premier program like Oklahoma with receivers like CeeDee Lamb still in tow 
and then be drafted in the NFL. Right. Austin Kendall would be a redshirt junior next season, and the, he would have to have the self-confidence that he could beat out Tanner Mordecai and Spencer Rattler. That would be the reason why he wouldn't transfer if Kyler Murray's named the starter for this season. All he would have to do in his head is beat out two quarterbacks who haven't proven anything at the college level. When you talk about Rattler, who could be a five-star when it's all said and done. If he doesn't enroll early, how the heck is he going to stand any chance at all of trying to get that spot? Yeah, that's true. And once again, not a done deal that he could do that. It's, it's a lot of twists and turns for him to be able to graduate high school early. So, and I know, Josh, you're... We talk about that for a second, but Josh, you'll you'll probably be heading out to Arizona during the season. But I mean, is it the quarters system kind of thing that he's battling that that Rattler battles on that? That that's my understanding. I from what I can gather, it sounds like it's just a deal where he had put himself in a mode. If if it had always been his plan to be done at semester, he'd have been okay. But then he took that whole semester off where he, he or not off, but he, he was under the impression, okay, I'm just going to wait it out. I'll go to the spring. He announced it after winning the state basketball championship. So there Kyle was that Murray whole will probably be there for two years. It, exactly. So there just wasn't that urgency to what he had to do. And I think that caused Oklahoma or not, not Oklahoma caused Rattler to kind of step back from it. Now they're having to kind of ramp it up and making sure that can work. So I think, just talking to people, I get the impression that there is belief that it's going to work out. He'll probably be there at semester, but it's not, not certain. I mean, it's not just a deal where he can say, okay, that's done. I'm going to do this. I mean, he really does have a few hurdles he has to clear. And you wonder if the champ you barbecue might answer some, some questions with Rattler expected to be in Norman if he's there with his family. They could have a lot more in-depth discussion about this topic. I think who's going to be a mid-year guy will be something that will be very prominent next weekend in trying to figure out the numbers. By the way, here is Lincoln Riley uh, from Monday's breakout session talking about Austin Kendall. With all the attention on Kyler over the summer, how has Austin Kendall handled it, and how much has that really pushed him to be the best quarterback he can be in this competition? I think Austin's handled it fine. I mean, I think he, you know, that, that goes with the territory a little bit. He's He's been around guys getting a lot of attention, you know, so I don't think that's anything new. And I think everybody within our walls, despite what anybody believes on the outside, knows how tight of a competition this is and how there's a very real chance that either one of these two guys is going to be, you know, the, the starter for the first game. So, yeah, there, there was – Austin Kendall was mentioned. It, it did happen. So, Mom and Dad, nobody's completely ignoring your son. Even it probably feels like. Thanks for listening. His his mother retweets and quote quote tweets everything Austin. Yeah, she does, doesn't she? Uh, okay. Let me go also to uh, a question that was asked just about kind of Kyler's demeanor a little bit as we kind of wrap up our our quarterback session here. Uh, here's uh, Lincoln Riley on on, on Kyler's demeanor. Uh, now that he's signed his baseball contract, oh, well, we still work on it, but he's pretty experienced with it. I mean, you know, he had, you know, he's had a lot of hype for the majority of his life, and so uh, I think these last few years have been good for him, being out of the spotlight a little bit. Uh, you know, watching Baker and some of our other guys have to deal with it, uh, how they dealt with it, the things they did well, the things they didn't do well. I think he's 
we talked a lot about, you know, he needs to learn and soak up, and the same talks we've had with Austin. I mean, they, they need to soak up that as much as they do how the guy plays on the field. And so, uh, yeah, I think he's prepared to handle it, I do. Uh, he's, he's a pretty level-headed kid. I mean, he, you know, he's a pretty simple guy. He don't have a ton of interest. I mean, he kind of just, he loves sports. He loves to play. He loves to compete. He's, and uh, yeah, I don't think much rattles his cage. Now, the one thing that I've had a big question about, and I've always thought was interesting, and it got brought up, and this is going to be kind of a long exchange. And, uh, it, there's there's a lot of different questions in here, but I kind of jumped in on here too. But like Kyler Murray, now that he's the, I always want to call him the bonus baby because of Bull Durham. That's what they called Nuke Lelouch. Uh, like uh, they're getting out of the cab, but they're getting ready to go to the ballpark and ruin it, so they get a rain delay. Mm-hmm. And they're and he's like, "Make the bonus baby pay for it." Like I could just see them going to bars, like drawing up big tabs, and you know somebody said, "Make the bonus baby pay for it." So like you wonder what can he do? What can he do? How much of a a pain in the ass is that going to be for Lincoln Riley to keep track if he's doing this or that? Uh, and Lincoln talked about kind of the process and, and what this all means with him basically having $5 million in the bank. It is, but it, it isn't, you know, because it's just not something, you know, that comes up or that you have to deal with much on a daily basis. I mean, for me, and, and it was a little bit more the questions after it happened were just compliance-wise, you know, making sure that we had everything in line there and our group did a good job, had a good meeting with Kyler and his family about what you can and can't do. and. But it's, I, I don't feel any different coaching him than I have him at any other point or any other quarterback that I've had. I mean, he's just he's just another player on our team. Are, are those extra things that he'll have to do? Will he have to, like, meet with compliance on a more regular basis than most people? No, there's just some things that, that he and all of us needed to understand coming into because it's, it is a, a little unprecedented, you know, in some ways, and it certainly is for us. So I just want to make sure we're educated and nothing slipped through the cracks. And uh, so it's... I don't think it's a big adjustment, but just, you know, wanting to be sure. Is there anything you can tell us that's kind of surprising that you learned, like something you couldn't do that you would think, wow, that seems kind of silly? Um, no, not really. Most of it was pretty standard. I mean, he can't do endorsements, yeah. you know, which you, you you get that. I mean, I think that's, that's you know, I, I get that. Um, you know, got to be smart about what he does with his, you know, with his teammates, things like that. You can't do anything extravagant like that. But, I mean, it's it's – it was pretty standard, but it was more just, hey, let's make sure, let's don't let anything slip through the cracks. But like quarterbacks have been taking their offensive line out forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're just going to eat a little bit better now. <laughs> <laughs> when you say when you say meetings, Lincoln, Dave's worth of, link, of meetings with compliance? Oh, no, 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 like one, one 30-minute meeting. Okay. It was, you know, compliance had to do the homework on the front end. Uh, all right, what can we can and can't do? And then we able to kind of filter that down to the important points. and. I had a conversation with them, and then we all sat down with, with Kyler and went through it. And yeah, it was pretty simple and easy. Can you imagine if uh, – I would love to know if, like, Jason Leonard had to go to, like, an extra, <laughs> like, week of class to find out, like, to brush up on, like, the rules because – He's the head of compliance, Jason right. Leonard. Yeah. I would like to know. Oh, I'm sure I, I would like to know, like, like, what he can't do. Yeah. But, I mean – like and if you're an offensive lineman and like you've been you you won like you let's say you start out four and and you're like Kyler's like I'm gonna take you guys out to eat to celebrate the fact that I've thrown for this many yards and rushed for this many yards, you know they're gonna be like pissed if he takes them to like Golden Corral, they're like f this we're going to Benvenuti's 
Fillets for everybody. Going Cattleman's. <laughs> shit, your height of thing? shit. You better be going to the ranch if you're yeah, if you're ranch. going if you're going anywhere to take boys up for dinner. Tell you what, that uh, refractory place is pretty damn good. I still haven't been there. I need to probably go there before I get out of the neighborhood, which probably won't happen. But it's good. Like I am. It's really good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can't be buying like Rolexes for his offensive line. I'm sure. Buy him some beer though. I wouldn't buy a kid in college a Rolex anyway. Wouldn't know what to do with it. Other stuff to buy these probably days. Probably lose it. They'd probably want Apple watches. Buy them like a really nice jewel or something. <laughs> <laughs> I know what kind of jewel you're talking about. I'm talking about a jewel. Yeah, I know. Not a jewel. A J-U-U-L. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, there were a lot of individuals that were talked about. Any anybody in particular that that in your dealings mm. with people that really stood out to you? I in terms Ken, of, I thought Kenneth Mann's name came up quite a bit it? when talking to the defensive guys. Uh, I and I will say I have to get this out of the way. I thought the four guys that Oklahoma brought were going to be terrible. I just straight up, I thought they were not going to be good in front of the mics. I, I have, thought, I thought. Rodney Anderson might be the worst, but Ben Powers I thought might be pretty bad. But yeah, they were both could great. not could not have been further from the truth. They were they were an unbelievable. Like I that was a that different we're just Rodney really Anderson. Lonely people. I don't know. I I think that like even there was a couple other people that said the same thing. Like, could you believe that Rodney Anderson was so comfortable? Yeah, and I even joked with him about. It. I was like. How much do you hate talking to people? Like, I'll put that video up on the on the board. I okay. was over there. Were you? Yeah. And then I, I, he was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't hate talking to people." Like I said, so if Samaje's a ten, what are you? And he was like, he was like, "Oh, are you kidding me? You're going to compare me to Samaje?" He's like, "I, I like talking to the media." He's like, and he did. I mean, he was. He doesn't he was like fine. doesn't like talking about himself though. Yeah, and he's always really quick to say, like I was asking about coming back and that play at Kansas State around the end. He was like. He was like, I was really happy, but I was happy because it helped my team. You know, not for me personally. So he's always quick to think about, you know, what he does is for the team and not for his own person. He said he didn't even know he was draft eligible until after the season <laughs> yeah. was over. Yeah. And so that was that the was only good. thing that he had to kind of think about it a little bit. Well, I do remember we asked him before the Big 12 championship, I think. We we asked him about that. What did he think about it? He looked stunned that that was even a topic. Yeah. So it's clear he did not know that much. Well, and that's why I thought it would it would be ridiculous that everybody was so... I thought it was ridiculous. Everybody was like, is he going to go? Is he going to go? And I was like, I don't think he even thinks in terms like that, right? Because he didn't at the time. Have we cleared up if he's going to try to get a sixth year? Or is that something that would just have to come when that it year will comes come, around? The hardship like that has to come at, toward the end of the year. They might apply for it now, just... But, hell, I mean... You wouldn't think he'd need it. A, yeah, a guy that's been missed two years because of injury. You got His stock get. is as high as it is now. It, he's got to it. It would almost be selfish to tell him, you yeah, need to come back. Exactly. Of course, people have said that before. That Guys, is what, selfish what to come back. How, how, how bad does his number have to be this year that he would come back? Like, I think if anything over 1,000 yards, he's got to go. He's got to get hurt and rush for Yeah, like honestly, yeah, right. he has to get... Yeah, he would have to miss a year with injury, probably, to... To be forced to come back, I guess. And if he had, like, 1,500 yards and then got hurt in the bowl game, I think he'd still go. Probably. Yeah, I think so. That's probably right. 
But I think for him, the fact that it was an ankle and not a ligament, you know, like a knee, and now he, now he's recovered and he's he's doing well. And we talked a lot about the box jumps and the jumping out of the cold tub and all that stuff. I mean, he's still a freak athletically. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they weren't connected, you know, the neck, the leg, it's not like, oh, shoot, this is a recurring thing that's going to keep him. Although you know how the NFL network works and, and draft, I mean, they're going to say he's injury prone. Even even if he got hurt, you know, the first two years he's here, if he doesn't have a stubbed toe in three years after, they're still going to say he's injury prone because that's just how it goes. Uh, now, one of the things that was a big topic... And I'll tell you, I, I mentioned that conversation with uh, with Rodney Anderson and what a factor he became last year. Because right now on ESPNU, they're they're re-showing the Texas and the uh, Ohio State games as one of the top 25 games last year. Like, you watch that Ohio State game, he really, if if Abdul Adams had not fumbled in that game, I don't know that he would have played at all. I We can go back and look through, like, our little group DM, but I distinctly remember in the first half of the Kansas State game, sending the group the text or the uh, DM of carries for Rodney Anderson are wasted carries. <laughs> I I literally I remember some flashes that. in that Texas game. Like he had like a fourteen yard touchdown up yes. the middle or something. It like was that. all when Adams got hurt. That was what opened the door, or else he, against Iowa State. Yeah, because yeah. because they lost Iowa State and then they had to go play Texas the yeah, next week. I mean Adams had the. Ninety-nine yard against Baylor. You're thinking this is the guy, and when he gets I hurt, like Abdul Adams, yeah. A lot. And when he gets hurt in the first quarter, and Cyclones that kinda, still, opened it all up. Still kind of mad at Jay Bulware for like benching him. And I asked Jay Bulware, I was like, why? Basically accusatory. I was like, I don't know if you remember that or not. I, was I like, do. Was that I was after like, a post practice? Yeah, I was I think like, I remember that. why are you punishing Abdul Adams for turnovers? And he was like, he doesn't turn the ball over. And then I started thinking through my mind, like my mind turned into calculator. I was like, and this was like after the OSU game. Right. They don't count that Bedlam one as a turnover. But and it was like, I was like, oh, shit, he doesn't have very many turnovers, does he? He's like, he, he might just have one officially. But then I was like, but you pulled him out of the game and didn't put him back in, and it wasn't a fumble. And like, so it was just one of those, he got me. And I was like, oh, I can't do anything <laughs> about it. Uh, but the thing was, that Kansas State game, that final play, when he turned around the corner, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, that, what What are you doing, Lincoln Riley? And then he turns the corner, and he gets a couple blocks, and it's a touchdown. Uh, like, it just took off from there, and he just became a back. Like, I would sit there and watch him. I was like, who is this guy? Like, I don't, I don't know who this running back is. I've never seen this guy before. We had no idea that he could catch the way that he's able to, because you yeah. know you don't do that in Katie. Yeah. This is probably a in-the-moment statement, but... His first half against TCU uh, in Norman the yes. first time around, that might be one of the best first halves I've seen out of OU running back in my lifetime. People bounce off of him. He runs through people. The, I mean, the catch, the catches. The catch. what, about, what about him running away from uh, uh, Roquan Smith in the Rose Bowl? Yeah. Yep. I was thinking to say the first half against Georgia would be up there pretty high. That was – He was a monster. Yeah, I mean, you talk about SEC Those two backs. big runs he had early. Holy shit, he was good in that first half. So good. So here he is – stiff-armed Roquan and then ran away from him. Here's Lincoln Riley talking about uh, – his emergence last year. Lincoln, I know you, you said last year that you always kind of had belief in Rodney Anderson, but you feel like, I don't know, was there something with him confidence-wise coming off of two years being injured like that that do you, do you remember a point in the season where you, you started thinking to yourself, 
okay, he's really starting to come together. Yeah, now. probably his confidence and probably ours and him too. Not that he wasn't going to get there, but just, all right, you're just sitting there like, is he ready yet? You know, and you're, you know, do you want to test that against Ohio State? You want to test that in some of these big games we had early. And uh, so he got some carries. He did some things well. And that was kind of the plan all along was to bring him along slow ever after having missed those years and just let's really see where this guy's at. And he played so well against Texas. And after that, we just said, you know, we got to keep this guy starting to come into his own. So I, I think that was the real point where I think his confidence grew and our confidence grew in him. How much of, of that? That run around the edge against Kansas State was was kind yeah. of like your his your, maybe his arrival. For yeah, you. no, that was a that was a huge play. I mean, that was a, even though there was a fate, you know, 15 yard face mask. I mean, it was going to be a critical play, obviously, in that game. And he made a call that wasn't a very good call work, and that's what that's what great ones do. See, and that's what I like about Lincoln Riley. Like, it, people give him shit about you know if if a play doesn't work and and they gripe about it, like. He's the first one to say, oh, my play call sucked." Mm-hmm. And he, like he Ryan deserves even, a pass when, they, when if he calls a fourth and one, it doesn't work. Like, my God, just get off the guy's back. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, there's been so many good calls that it's like you almost are deserved to have a bad call. But all they so remember, football, the football gods have to pay you back at some point. Is Jordan Smallwood against Georgia? That's yeah. all people. Even remember. though it worked twice before that, all people remember Kevin Wilson is handing the ball off to Chris Brown. In the goal line, when it was it Brandon Walker got blown up on the line of scrimmage, or no, it wasn't Brandon. It was Simmons. What was yeah, the, what Brian was, Simmons. Brian Simmons got blown up on the goal line. Demarcus scores there, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> All right, so really, I would say, guys, wouldn't you say one of the big themes of the day was leadership? Oh yeah, definitely. I would say that's the, probably the number one thing that you walked out of there thinking is uh, when. A guy like Lincoln, well, it's 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 either 1A or 1B. I thought 1B was uh, what I have termed as Lincoln Riley taking the first step in uh, the rehabilitation process of a defense and admitting publicly that you have a problem. It's kind of like a uh, 12-step program. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought they took the first step on, on Monday as well. Uh, of admitting that they don't have leadership? No, no. admitting that the, the defense has been shit for the last oh, couple years. Defense has to get better. Recruiting has to get better so that the defense... I thought, but that's 1A and 1B, so you can you can pick whichever one you would uh, prefer. Uh, I was going to say, I mean, who who that you talk to player-wise, because I think we can all agree, all those guys were there because they're expected to be leaders for this team last year, but who in your mind, was the most convincing leader? Kenneth Murray. I'd probably agree with that. Just the the way that he talks, the the forcefulness and the conviction and the things that 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 he says. He seems comfortable in that role. You Josh. believe he's already that guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I kind of remembered back to the interview that you did on uh, the day that he committed, Josh, down in, uh, in uh, Houston, was just the fact that he... That seems like the type of guy that has taken the next step, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. That's a guy that, you know, in that exact interview you're talking about, Eddie, like, he and gets I it. had talked to Kenneth a little bit before that, but that was our first time to really sit down and have a real conversation. And, you know, just from his parents being around and from, you know, everything that was going on around him, that was a guy that, like you said, just gets it. He understands what it's about. It reminded me a lot, you know, to kind of lead to the current recruiting class, 
when I went to talk to Jamal Morris. Like, you talk about a guy that has it that will be – I left that, that Kenneth Murray interview saying the same thing I was saying about Jamal Morris. That's going to be the leader of your defense in three or four years. Like, you're going to build around that guy because there are some guys that they just – they understand that the things they do impact others. The way they act around people impacts others. And talking to him and his coach that day, he was just one of those guys, man. He understood. He went to play safety for Elkins just because he needed. they needed the help there more than they needed at linebacker. You know how many high school kids that are big superstars and are getting all the attention are willing to do that? Very few. Right. I mean, it, it, it was he knew that was the best chance for his team to win. So he went and played a position that – frankly didn't help him didn't make him look good and at times he looked a little lost out there but he did it because him at safety was better than whatever else they were going to have and you bring up a good point that i'm going to touch on in the story next week that kenneth murray for the first time ever is playing the same position for the second year in a row he kind of recollected his conversation with Tim Kish about initially moving inside, believing he'd be an outside guy his entire time in Norman. So a lot remember, of good, and a lot of good stuff coming. Remember when he came in, uh, it really was like, okay, I think people forget this because they, there's so much criticism about Murray and, and the Georgia game last year. Remember he started the year, not, not in the spring, not in Preseason camp, when he first started being a defensive player at Oklahoma, he was a little bit uh, like he surprised everybody with how much bigger he came in. I remember that. But he was an outside linebacker. He was legitimately, and he was going to be like an oboe type guy. Like he was going to be a hand on the ground, pass rusher, outside linebacker. Not like a, not really like a a will, uh, not like an inside guy. He was an outside linebacker. And. Everybody kept asking because, you know, Emmanuel Beal was on the inside and Tay Evans was lost. Remember, he was lost for his career for the concussion. And Curtis Bolton, you know, hadn't really emerged there and you didn't really feel like he was the guy. But they're like, what about this Kenneth Murray guy? Could he move inside? And, and, and Mike Stoops hesitated. He was like, I don't know, you know. So they went through weeks of fall camp before he even moved to middle linebacker he moved to he moved to you had, will you had the pretty good story on how yeah. that happened didn't you yeah he he moved to will toward the end of spring and then he got called during the summer that he's gonna go to the traditional mike spot but he did come in as a mid-year guy believing he would be the outside guy and i think once once they struck out with Anthony Hines and Jacob Phillips, it sort of saw you know here here's he was the only here's option, who yeah. we have on campus, and John Michael Terry couldn't stay healthy enough throughout the entire That's right, yeah. the entire process either, and Ricky DeBerry was no longer even considered. Well, they tried Ricky DeBerry <laughs> for like two days, and, and, and then so, Mike Stoops was like, "That was the." That's probably the most that Mike Stoops has ever just ripped a kid. Yeah, like, that was bad. He didn't rip him. It was just like. Everybody, you could, I don't, Josh. Why the hell is everybody so in love with Ricky DeBerry? Like, he was just one of those weird things. Like, everybody wanted to know about it, Ricky DeBerry and how he was doing. Why didn't they move him to middle linebacker? They just moved him to middle linebacker. He'd solve all their problems. It just became like this this legend, this urban legend. I I the, it it doesn't happen very often, but Ricky DeBerry is one of the biggest urban legends that's ever lived on the internet. Josh, I'm asking you for comment. Damn it, I was talking. The first time I'll show, we've gone almost an hour, and I just screwed it up for the first time. 
uh, was on mute, was answering in mute. So that's you really missed some gold there. Uh, no, Ricky DeBerry is like the PJ and Bonasaur without an obvious cause. Like we don't know why everyone's waiting for this to happen because it was never going to happen. I and I don't. Uh, no, I don't mind tooting my own horn. I didn't understand the Ricky DeBerry <laughs> fascination in high school. I was watching. I was like, this guy's big and he's not twitchy, and I don't understand. Like he's not exceptionally big and long you know like addison gums isn't a real twitchy guy but he's so big and long and you kind of think okay maybe maybe something can work there but i i just never quite understood why everyone was so over the moon about ricky DeBerry. and i i mean i frankly i think he's one of those guys that was really good when he was young and we failed to really and i mean that as rivals in our rankings we failed to really account for how far he fell off. Like he was an elite guy as a sophomore, and by the time he was a senior, everybody had caught up to him, and he just didn't have that burst and that that ability to make plays in space. He he was just a big kind of plodding guy at that point. And that was Jerry Montgomery doing his best at convincing people too. I mean, when Montgomery went after a guy, True. the fan base believed, oh, this this is the difference maker. If Jerry wants him. He's going to be the next big thing. I think people were so hungry for linebackers at that point that they saw a rating next to a guy that was higher than usual. They're like, we've got to have that. They were so invested. Like, we finally got a real linebacker. But he wasn't a real linebacker. Yeah, and I think that's what it was. And I think that was, you know, behind the scenes – We've talked about this a little bit on the pod before. Ricky DeBerry ended up being a very divisive thing. Like, there there were – very differing opinions on what he was. Because there were a lot of people that thought he would be the guy that he became, and there were some people that bought into you know, him being the guy that people hoped he would become. So it, he's, he's one of those interesting deals. But yeah, Ricky DeBerry didn't fit anywhere. He wasn't twitchy enough to play outside, and I don't think he had the... You know, people think, like, oh, he's big and he's kind of like squat. Oh, just stick him inside and it works. Like it, it doesn't work like that. I'm going to tell just... you, it, it, it compared to Ricky DeBerry, when you see, and I know not everybody has had the chance to see him up close, but when you see Kenneth Murray up close, you really are like, shit, that looks like an NFL player. Like that's what an NFL player is supposed to. And I thought the same thing with Roquan Smith. Like when you saw him, like, yep, that's an NFL guy. And I mean, there's just certain guys that you see throughout, you know, your time covering athletics. You're like. Yeah, that's an NFL. Like Baron Browning, I thought first time I saw him was like NFL guy. Malik Jefferson, NFL guy. I mean, they're just some guys that they're they have muscles where other guys don't have muscles. They're thicker than other kids should be at that age. They're taller. Uh, it's it's. I guess I could explain it if I kept going, but then you're getting into homoerotic zones. But like you look at Kenneth, he Murray, has a huge ass. You look at Kenneth Murray, and he's just like <laughs> everything about him is big. Well, we don't we don't know that. <laughs> Jeez, Carrie. We don't you, know that. You said everything you visible about him is there. big. How about there, that, Eddie? <laughs> that's that's much better. That's much better. In like an athletic way, not like a fat way. No, he he is a a a monster when it comes to like and size. And I'm telling just you, if, flat if out physical we could size. go to every camp that is across the country, and we would not see one linebacker that that we looked at and said, "Oh, he looks better than Kenneth Murray standing still." No, he, it he, won't happen. He looks really, really good physically. So you've got everything that you need physically. You need him to stay healthy, but he is still young. He's a true sophomore. I mean, that's what's amazing about this. And they brought him to Big 12 Media Day, and Lincoln Riley was asked about 
having such a young guy. Lincoln, Kenneth is a little bit young among the guys who typically come to events like this. Right. What was it that made you comfortable bringing him here, and what did he do to earn that? Yeah, he's you know kind of become the voice of our defense, you know, and both by the way he carries himself, kind of everything he went through last year, um, and and I think he's just got the potential to be a great leader, and he's one of those guys kind of in that class that we need to be a great leader now, not not in a year. Um, so I thought he was ready for it, and uh, thought he'd be a great representative. And I mean that kind of is it in a nutshell. They need him. I mean, he is he if he gets hurt. They're pretty screwed. I mean, Lincoln said some good things about Levi Draper and some of the other linebackers, the young linebackers coming along. Uh, actually, I well, you find it. I particularly like the idea that Kenneth Murray and Bob, you might have been standing there when he was talking about it, was the fact that everything that the defense does is a reflection, not just on Mike Stoops, obviously, but the fans. But now that he's kind of in this middle linebacker role, it's going to be a reflection on Kenneth Murray and getting everybody lined up, becoming familiar with the defense and you know he's he seems like a guy that is very very dedicated to working his ass off not just on the field but off the field to to make the product much better and he wants like, he, that responsibility yeah, it, yeah. he he welcomes it well and the thing about it is you need it's a must have Kenneth Murray's a must have but the problem is there's a lot of must haves Caleb Kelly's a must have as well uh and uh Lincoln Riley was asked about that move to Will Linebacker. Coach, what went into the decision to move Caleb Just thought it was the right time. You know, kind of had an opening there with Emmanuel Bill graduating. Um, you know, it's going to allow us, we think, to keep Caleb on the field, you know, a little bit more with, with some of the different offenses that we see in this league and even out of conference. And just thought his body had grown to the point where it was, you know, he was ready to handle the, the physicality of being an inside player. So, uh, no, it was a... Uh, just the right move for him and right move for our team. So was the decision previously to play him as sort of like a Sam Nickel linebacker, was that largely to suit him, or was it also because was it related to the depth you guys had at defensive back going into last year? No, I would say I would say both. I would say both. I, I think it's been a natural fit. I don't feel like we've had one working against each other at any point. He was physically he was ready to come in and help as a Sam. And that's that's where he was best, you know, playing outside the box, blitzing him, letting him play in space. Um, against some teams, they'll still have to do that now, but he's more physically suited right now to help us, and it was the right thing for the team, too. So that's number two is Caleb Kelly. I mean, a full-time inside linebacker, essentially. That dude was obsessed with asking about OU's defense because that was the, the same guy that asked that. Where was he from? In, inside Texas. Ian Boyd from inside oh, Texas. so he's right in the... Tech, or he's probably doing the, OU has too many problems to be good. Whatever. I like how you phrased it on Twitter. They Tech, must have a lot Texas of... Texas fan asks OU co head coach why their defense isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I Wait, think you he, know what's stupid? He actually does some pretty good like breakdowns of the defense and stuff like that, but he's a big Texas... I mean, he's a Texas fan. What's crazy is like there's all this talk about... Like, OU isn't being compared to other defenses in the Big 12. They're being compared to SEC defenses. Like, we're not talking about Texas Tech here, where their defense is clearly one of the worst in the country and in the conference. Like, when OU played TCU, they made more plays on defense than TCU did, who is known as historically having the best defense. Now, 
Texas's defense, I would say, probably played best out of everybody last year. Oklahoma State started well and faltered at the end like they always do, and then Glenn Spencer got fired, even though I think he's a good coach. But OU is trying not to become the best defense in the Big 12. They're trying to become a Georgia. They're trying to become an Alabama. So I, I think that's something to, to think about. They're, they're not starting from the average. I know a lot of fans make it out like OU is starting from the dumpster. They're not. But they've got to be better. They've, they've got to be a nationally respectable defense. It's unfortunate that, in a way, it's unfortunate that they were so bad in the Rose Bowl that, you know, I mean, three of their last four games, they played pretty yeah, well. They did. Held TCU to, what, was it, it was 20? The first half they played well against Georgia. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was not good in the second half. It, when, I, when you have guys just they running. played well, or would we say Georgia didn't really take advantage of the things they did in the second half? I think you well, Georgia both. didn't yeah. try and run the ball as much as yeah. they should have. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not. Maybe OU could have dealt with it, but what happened in the second half tells me probably not. Oh, you played okay though against. Well, I guess I'm. It's a. It's probably a massive homer statement to say from that, the OSU. They like, were they were horrible against. They were OSU. horrible from against then, OSU, but they, they got were okay better. against Tech. They were okay against TCU. Gave up twenty. They get. They were really good against. TCU in the Big 12 championship game only gave up 17. Once they create turnovers, it's a different game for them. Yeah. They don't create turnovers. They're pretty bland, but they had some difference-making plays. Think about Will Johnson in Bedlam having that pick in the end zone. Yeah, Think about true. Caleb Kelly scoring that touchdown in, against the Horn Frogs in the very first play from scrimmage. It changed the dynamic of that defense completely when they would start to make a play. Well, and here's the thing. We've talked about Kenneth Murray. You need him. You have to have him. You have to have Caleb Kelly. Is that, it- all that being said, like there is one other area that is even more important than both of those. I think you guys know where I'm going, and that is the defensive line. Which right. Did you guys get the same thing I got from Lincoln, which he was basically there to praise his defensive line in Frisco? I think that they feel like, just from what Amani Bledsoe said, they feel like Amani Bledsoe is going to be really good. Neville Gallimore is going to be I decent. I see that from Amani. I'm sorry. I, 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 I know. I no. I I I'm I'm right there with you. I haven't seen dominance out of Amani Bledsoe. You know, or potential for dominance. The, he has shown signs. I will though, say, that I watched back be, that. I watched back that TCU game. He played and really he well. Played really well. Really. But well. CJ Ward also played really well. It's true. He's flashed at me more than Neville ever has. Yeah, I, I, I agree. With I that. really, I'm a, I'm a big buyer in Amani Bledsoe. You don't I, understand how low I am on Neville Gallimore, though. Yeah, <laughs> fair, I, I wasn't fair. over there, but I guess Kenneth Murray might have talked up Neville Gallimore really a whole bunch. To, oh, he went nuts. When Bruce I Feldman to wrote a big. He right. was in his freaks list. The freaks list for 2018, and said that he saw him run a four seven and squat like 500 pounds 25 times or whatever. I don't know. It, it, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think. I'm on Neville Gallimore where you are on Amani Bledsoe, if that makes sense. Neville Gallimore and Kenneth Mayne are best of friends, so I wonder if they feed off each other since now they're both in a starring role. You know what I think, and we've been kind of getting this since uh, the spring, and I'm going to play something for you here. And I just can't help but listen to Lincoln Riley. In my head, I feel like he's talking about Neville Gallimore. When when he I asked him about 
Benny Wiley. And we've heard about how good the relationship there is between Neville Gallimore. Yeah, remember and, he praised him during Benny Wiley. Absolutely, that spring in real. I'll play crazy. this for you. It was almost you, like he was going to transfer before Benny Wiley yeah, came you in. You tell me if you think that that Lincoln might have Neville Gallimore in his head when he's talking about Benny Wiley. We'd like to kind of, you know, talk about you putting your stamp on things with some of the new hires that you made and started with Ruffin and you talk about, you know, what you were hoping that Benny would bring to your program, kind of what you saw out of his summer working with the guys? Yeah, I mean, Benny's very gifted at, you know, uh, at, at training guys. He's always had a, you know, especially has always been on the offensive and defensive lines, which I think are absolutely the most important, you know, position group to train. And so I was excited about what he could bring there to us, um, you know, especially on the defensive line. And uh, so excited about some of the early results there. But probably more than anything, I, I think the strength coach really helps shape your the mentality of your group. You know, they're they're with them. You hear people say it a lot, but they're with them as much as anybody. Uh, they're with them through the training, um, through the tough days of summer that you kind of hear about as your team's mentality's forged. And Benny's that's where he's really gifted. You know, he's he's got a great way of communicating with the players, pushing them, but where they also understand why they're doing things, uh, which I think for today's athletes important. I think you get sometimes just yelling at them and screaming at them. There, there's a time and place for that, no doubt, but there's also today's athlete kind of wants to know why. And a lot of times if you if they understand that, you know what, this is going to help me because we're doing this, then they're great and they do it. And so Benny's He's got a unique way with the guys, and and again, he's a person that I I really trust. I've I've been with it, you know, been through it with him, both as a player and on the staff with him. I know what he brings to the table, and I knew he could handle a job as big as being the head strength coach at Oklahoma football. Have there been any players that any, any individuals that you've kind of seen since the end of last season that have really kind of blossomed under him and his, his approach? Well, I, I think we've had several. I I would say the defensive line group as a whole. I just like mentally and physically. I think we're I, I like where we're at, you know. So I, and I think some of those results, of course, will be, you know, be seen here pretty quickly. Uh, but I just, I like the impact. And I like the kind of person he is, and I, he's been a great addition for us. I don't know. I mean, it defensive line. It was kind of strange because you know Jerry Schmidt had so many problems with offensive linemen for a long time. Do you think maybe defensive line was kind of one of those areas he was losing? I just don't know. I don't think I know enough about like the process of a summer conditioning program to know like why would it be so different for one group versus the other? Like the things that they're actually What's making. It? I mean, them it was do? it was interesting that he said kids want to know why you're yelling at them now, or why you want them to do certain things. Yeah, and that's to be honest, that's kind of soft. But. <laughs> Millennials. I mean, it but is, we all know kids is. are different. Yeah, no, they I are. Mean, they they just are. are different. They are. And I, I thought it's funny just to kind of piggyback off that. I saw I follow uh, Jay Sternberger, the kid that's down at A and M, and I've seen him tweet some not like flaming things about Jerry Schmidt, but just like some like things like, "Yep, that should have known what you're getting into when he was down when he came down there." <laughs> and I, I've seen like JD Reynolds has kind of like commented on it, like you know Schmidt he doesn't play or something like that. Yeah. But it makes sense. It makes sense. I think that. I, the the message had definitely been lost with the previous. But Schmitty is program. the guy that like he's old school. He's going to be an yeah, asshole. Yeah, very much. Mm -hmm. Very and much. And you're going to sink or swim. Benny is not going to be that guy. Like he's gonna he's gonna push you as hard as he can 
without being that kind of like take it or leave it. Right. Attitude. He he's not gonna coddle you. Yeah. But he's gonna bring the best out of you as hard as he can without pushing you to a limit to where you tune him out. Right. Yeah. That's gonna be the balance. Josh, I know you got to bolt out of here. Uh, anything you want to hit on in recruiting real quick before you leave? Well, obviously, uh, a lot of people are going to be listening to this after Jaden Davis announces tonight. Um, you know, I still think Oklahoma's in great shape. Uh, for those that don't know, Rivals 250 corner from uh, the Miami area, St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, he'll announce tonight at about 7 p.m. Central, uh, probably tweet it out. So we'll have some stuff ready to go for that. You know, there, there's plenty going on, but... Oklahoma's in a great spot, and it just, you know, I I continue to think July is going to be really, really good for Oklahoma. I, th- I think this this won't be the end of it, obviously, with the barbecue, you know, about 10 days away now. And what did you think specifically just about, like, all the Justice Hill stuff out of Big 12 Media Day yesterday? Because that was, look, I mean. It was worse than clickbait. A lot of it was, yeah. I mean, there was there was some just very misleading headlines. But look, if you cover recruiting, you know recruiting. There are exactly. a lot of people that are there. You know that a guy that plays for OSU that's not even going to be there when his brother is there is going to say some things and take some... Like, you wouldn't take everything for gospel unless you were just a moron. And, and oh. if you paid a lot of attention to what Justice Hill said, he told a lot of different people different things. Like He did. A, a lot of people he said... I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to make his own decision. But at the same time, he would tell other people like, oh, he's not, he can't go to OU, like kind of jokingly, but that would get taken. Exactly. It was in a joking manner that just blew up. You know, we talked about it last week that there was going to be a lot of questions. And I guess we, we kind of put it on, or, you know, it's fine to ask the questions. You kind of thought people would handle the information a little more i don't know responsibly is the like right interpret word, just, it interpret yeah it the like right way. have some sense of because i mean you, you can even go back sense. to a few months ago when dax and justice kind of got involved in that conversation and i think justice tweeted you know the hashtag dax the stilly or whatever and everybody's like oh what does this mean it's a couple of brothers having fun man like it's not like not every the dax hill i guarantee yesterday made no statement that has any direct connection to what is uh, uh, Justice Hill, yeah. Justice, yeah. Said nothing yesterday that had anything to do with what is really going on in Dax's recruitment. Like, it's a kid having fun. He's not going to ruin his brother's moment. He's just going to let him do his thing, and whatever he does is whatever he does. Now, And the other thing, now, that, that comes on a heel of a report that he canceled the Michigan barbecue to attend the OU barbecue. So not, like, not necessarily canceled, just that yeah. he wasn't or going he wasn't to attend. Go, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And well, and that came on the heels of someone reporting that it was down to Michigan and Alabama, and now he's going to OU apparently. So, like, which which apparently apparently the reason he's reason he's not going to Michigan. uh, I was talking to Bill Hasten this morning is because he has pretty regular contact with his dad. His dad said, "Look, we've just been traveling everywhere. I'm tired of driving, you know, all over the country. Uh, He can just go down to Norman because it's close, and we don't have to worry about driving all the way to Michigan." It's one of those things where everybody really wants to act like they're in the know on Dax Hill. They're not. Right. They're just not. And, and I include myself in that. Exactly. Like I, I, can, I have some sources. I have some people I can talk to. I have a feeling in certain directions. But that family has kept it very, very close to the vest. Like, I don't even hear, like, oh, this is what I'm hearing kind of stuff. Like, 
people in Tulsa that usually know stuff, they don't know anything. Right. I mean, it's, it's really up in the air. So, to me, anything outside of Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Alabama would be a massive surprise. Now, could I, you know, could I understand it? Sure. I mean, all the schools he's looking at, you know, Clemson, Michigan, I mean, there's plenty of reason to like all those schools. But I think those are the three that make the most sense. And I think really, to me, it just I think it comes down to Oklahoma and Alabama because I don't see a guy like Dax Hill watching what his brothers had to go through playing second fiddle to Oklahoma the last three years or last two years and likely again this year. I don't see him wanting to be part of that in a class that is seriously devoid of a major talent right now. Um, I mean, you look at the rivals rankings, Dax by himself would be worth almost as much as the rest of, t- of Oklahoma State's class right now. Like, that's, that's just crazy. And then, I, to me, I think if it's Alabama, I, I, it could be because he likes Alabama, and it also could be a that this is a middle ground. Like, it, say he did want to go to Oklahoma, but doesn't want to upset his brother, doesn't want to upset the Oklahoma State staff that he knows really well. Okay, <laughs> I mean, talk about an amazing consolation prize. You're going to go to the defending national champions. Like, it, it's not a bad deal. So, like I said, Oklahoma State shouldn't shock anybody, but I just, I just struggle to believe that a guy that is, as competitive as he is, has, you know, coming off a state title at Booker T, understands that having the best talent makes things, excuse me, makes things possible. I I just don't see it being Oklahoma State. And I I think it'll come down to Oklahoma and Alabama. And it depends on what day you're talking to me, who I would choose between those two. And if he's at the barbecue, that will be a game changer. Because it just is for anyone that goes. Kenneth Murray talked to me in depth about it. That's for a future story about how the barbecue made him realize that OU was the choice. Brian Asamoah told told me the same thing. It's just, If you're on the fence at all and you go to this event, it usually becomes a game changer. I, I couldn't, you know, and that's, that's really, OU does a great job planning those events and making those guys feel like family because that's the thing to remember. Even though Dax is an in-state guy, he hasn't spent a lot of time around these guys. He doesn't know, I mean, like, the opening, I think, was probably his first real time being around like Theo and RJ and all those guys. But to give him a whole other day in Norman around the staff, I mean, that's that's that could be a potentially huge deal for Oklahoma. Now, I know you guys are working on the list uh, for who will be at the barbecue, but essentially, do you expect every commit to be there? Unless you have to fly in, like Joseph Wete, something mm-hmm. like like that, that's going to be really hard to ask him if they vote. I think they'll be in on a Saturday. My, you know, for some families, if they wanted to drive, they could leave on a Thursday or something. But I obviously, know, Woody Washington will be there. That's a huge one. Spencer you know. Spencer Rattler finally coming back to Norman will yeah. will be nice too. As much as he's been recruiting like crazy at these All Star camps, to finally be back at OU is going to be nice. Any, uh, I mean, any, anybody that's on the fence that would really be a big name if they, if they decided to come? The interesting one that keeps going around, and you know, I'll interrupt Bob here and then I'll, I'll get off, but the guy that keeps going around that has said he's going to be there is the Kenny McIntosh, yep. the running back from there you Florida. Go. That's a really interesting one because everybody keeps asking, who's this other running back going to be with Marcus Major? I don't think it's Isaiah Spiller. Correct. I sure don't think it's Noah Kane or Trey Sanders. McIntosh makes some sense. Like you could see that being okay. Maybe that that could be a fit there. So I I don't know how you know that's that. But then you get into 
would Oklahoma take his commitment and ruin what they feel like is a chance at those guys I just talked about? I don't know. Well, so does, does Marcus Majors really does Marcus big. Majors commitment? I would assume that kind of helps them put you know put pressure on certain guys, doesn't it? Oh sure. You you I mean that that's the deal. You can tell these guys we you know Oklahoma we've got one spot here. You, you, if you take it, great. If not, it could go to somebody else. Now the problem with that is. Two of the three guys you're talking about are good buddies and teammates and Trey Sanders and Noah Kane. And I can tell you flat out, Oklahoma had some issues with Noah Kane about a year ago Correct. when they were trying to kind of push him toward a commitment. And he, he, he kind of stepped away from OU for a while. So I think they know that's maybe not the way that's going to work. So like I said, I mean, McIntosh is probably there for the taking if OU really wants to go that way. But do they want to forgo whatever chance they feel like they have at these other guys. Yeah, we've been talking about it being such a showcase event for 2020, and I still believe it's going to be that way. But if you can get McIntosh and maybe get Daxel, not to commit, but maybe to give that inkling that now it's OU's to lose, that would be enough for it to be a standout for 2019. All right, that was uh, the sound you heard was Josh leaving. Doesn't care what to, I have to say. He had to go to swim class. <laughs> no, he doesn't care what I have to say. To see the not hot professor or whatever she's called. We've grilled him on that before. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I mean, that that I was, I was going to wrap it up anyway because uh, I know everybody's got to get going. Um, but, yeah, I was glad we could fit some recruiting in there. Look, there's still more stuff that happened in Dallas, but guess what? Uh, in six days, it's media day. Uh, just during the podcast, I got the email about the schedule. Lincoln Riley's going to talk. Mike Stoops is going to talk. We're going to have 15 various players available to talk, and then they'll have the autograph day. Uh, so that's coming up on Sunday. Sunday, first which time is an ever. Interesting day, yep. uh, and the earliest it's ever been. So we'll have more from that. But you know, since we just talked to Lincoln, I would imagine media day will be a little bit more. You know, update on Jalen Redmond, hopefully again. Uh, Which Lincoln did say he would hope he would have news on Sunday. And I'll just real quickly, I'll play you what Lincoln said uh, about Jalen Redmond uh, this week in Dallas. Yeah, uh, he's got a little thing going on. I'm not. I'm just not to the point. We don't have enough clarification for me to lay it on you right now. I do hope to have more by the time we get to uh, media day back in Norman. I, I, I feel like I will, but it's not to the point where I can go into detail. Oh, yeah. Is there anybody else that's dealing with any health issues? No, no, I think other than that we're, I think other than that we're pretty healthy right now. Yeah, been a pretty healthy summer. You know, at that point I wanted to say I just didn't, I didn't know how to say it, but I wanted to say like, good on you for no arrest this summer. Summer's not over. <laughs> There's still time for this team to make a statement. Yeah, once, they be a let's see what team. happens when summer workouts officially end. Right. And the parties happen. There's still then, time to be a championship team. You need an arrest. You need an arrest. God, got to have that edge. I don't think Lincoln Got to have that edge. Uh, and here's the thing on, on Jalen. Uh, I'll check into it some more. Initially, you know, we put it on the board, and I think we even mentioned it last week on the podcast, but it was told had something to do with blood clots. Uh, which are always a concern. I wonder maybe because he spent so much time in the hospital, maybe they didn't find out something else, or maybe you know it was more of a sickle cell issue, and maybe that's why he was having you know maybe some breathing problems or something like that. So um, hopefully it's changed to something less serious. Uh, but the fact that Lincoln wasn't ready to talk about it leads me to believe that maybe there's something that has changed from that initial diagnosis. So I think that's something to 
you know, maybe positive to hold on to, but something to look forward to. Definitely a just a kind of a scary situation in that, you know, that's isn't that practically what kept Chris or got Chris Bosch out of the league? His were more or less. I think his were in his legs. His were, were in they, his legs. Yeah, but were, but, but I it was it was like in major artery. Yeah, right. legs and stuff. But blood clots though is something that you just can't screw for athletes. With. That's yeah. terrible. I mean, you can get put on blood thinners, and I I'd heard that they'd put him on blood thinners, you know, immediately, and to see how that worked. And so maybe that wasn't the issue. Maybe once they put him on blood thinners, they figured out that that wasn't what was causing it. So you know, I I I don't want to do the stupid. It's fluid. Uh, I'll just tell you, I've, I've heard, the first reports I got were blood clots, but I'm open to the fact that maybe they're finding out some other things because it's because Lincoln wasn't ready to say anything. But there's nothing that's happened in recruiting just yet with that position that makes you think it's oh my god that he's done long. Yes, okay. like like oh they're not offering new guys in his spot for 2019 class. It's like oh well they're not going to have Redmond, so they got to go this way. Uh, before we get out of here, anything else that you guys wanted to bring up uh, from media days that uh, we hadn't talked about? Did we want to use the audio about? Are they going to possibly fill striker's role? Striker's role. Eric Striker. Yeah, uh, we can get to that because uh, here's how it works. Uh, Bob and I seems like there's a lot out. <laughs> we talk about what the things that we want to make sure we hit on, uh, and then we get separated. So sometimes I wonder, did Bob get to ask that question? Uh, which ends up us both asking the same question uh, a lot of times. The 90 minute span, it happens. Yeah, when you're sitting there Not for Not nearly minutes. bad as if it happened on Sunday. <laughs> so here is Bob first asking the question. Lincoln, is there a chance that Eric Stryker will be back, or is that a spot you're going to No, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fill that spot. Yeah, we're going to fill that spot. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to give it a good run. He, you know, we talked before, and if he made it in Canada, then uh, if he made that roster, then that's what we we're going to do, and he's going to go give it a real shot. So I was thrilled for him that he made it. You, know, he, you could tell the fire wasn't completely burned out yet. And here's uh, idiot number two asking the same question. I get this question a lot because um, everybody likes him so much. He, Think Eric Stryker's ever coming back to OU football? Or you think he's just going to keep going? As I don't know. I think it'll depend how his how his pro career goes. Um, I felt like he was a guy. He, he definitely he did a nice job working for us, no doubt. I still think he's a guy that's trying to find his way a little bit as far as he's got such a unique skill set as we all know of. Like, what does he really want to do at the end of the day? But yeah, we'd love to have him back at some point. Um, do you do you have to go ahead and make plans to fill that position? Yeah, yeah, we're going to fill it. Okay. Yeah, we are. Uh, and conveniently, there was a report that came out that uh, Chip Finey is leaving Nevada to take another position. It was unnamed. Uh, look, we've there's a big threat on the board. We haven't addressed it. I'll just say we haven't we haven't denied anything. We haven't confirmed anything. Um, let's just say that yeah, I think there's a good chance Chip Viney ends up back at Oklahoma, and we'll leave it at that because I don't want to get to this thing. You know, where we're like, our sources confirmed, you didn't have it first. So, we'd been hearing some things. We'd promised to keep it on the DL. It's starting to come to light a little bit, so perhaps, I, I think there's a good chance. Perhaps a situation that we would know maybe on Sunday, though, when when we are able to talk with Lincoln in so. the press conference yeah. setting. I mean, if it's already been announced by Nevada that he's leaving. Right. Yeah. It's not hard to put I think two, the paperwork can get done. Yeah. Uh, now it would be. And I, shit, we're. I mean, it's two. What two weeks away from yeah. the actual start of the season? And I think you want to have him in that spot 
before the barbecue. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You want him to be back yeah. for it, absolutely. for sure. So I think, I, it, yeah, I would think that they're going to work as quickly. Because I would, I, I would sure I'm sure, I don't know that they're working that far ahead. There might be a guy or two he you know maybe in state guys that he crosses over with that came to campus sophomores. Maybe Bob's computer in his head is thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, maybe the receiver from Booker T. Miles Tees. My, no, no, no. Javian and Hester. Oh, Javian. Oh, Hester. you're talking about recruiting. Yeah. I was thinking about guys that were actually on the team. No, but it would be a, like an analyst, you know, recruiting role. So then we'll see what happens from there. So. Anyway, um, last chance. Big 12 thoughts, because I'm glad you brought that up, Eddie. No, other than just how weird it was, I mean, they're just... Yeah, you, keep, the, you were trying to bring up the weirdness the, earlier. Well, the Big 12 just... It, it was a very weird time this year. because No there's not, star power. There's no star power. And uh, I think that's it more than anything. There just wasn't a big buzz. Yeah, there wasn't a big buzz. There wasn't... Plus, Will Greer's got two kids. I mean, how big of a star can you be in college? Well, I wasn't there Tuesday. Did you think there was some buzz around him? I mean, since it's just there for Monday. So I was sitting there, and I finished radio, and I literally could not get out of there fast enough because Texas and Oklahoma State started. And so as soon as Texas walks in, it's just like with Oklahoma, it's exhausting. Like, if you could... Like, I, I don't know, Bob, how you felt. You were you stayed there and stayed down there with your wife and, and did some stuff. You were probably exhausted from the shopping that she made you go through after that. What was more exhausting, going to Outlet Mall or covering Big 12 Media Day? Big 12 Media Day. So, like, and I don't know if it's because you're always running up and down the stairs there uh, or you're on a 100-yard field and you're walking back and forth between uh, the, the work area and the, the interview area. But, like, I came home, and I felt like I'd been at summer camp for a week. I was just exhausted. This is, what like, took, I was more exhausted coming back from Big 12 Media Days than I was coming back from Atlanta. What took it out of me was OU arrived around 10. And usually, you know, they go... They get there a little earlier. They go that. from one TV spot. Like, they, they all have their media spots that uh-huh. they, they have to hit, those, those certain rooms. But if they're not in the rooms itself, we usually got to talk to the guys. In the hallways, yeah. And so we went almost two hours... Of following these guys, and all we got out of it was six minutes. With Rodney Anderson. It really deflated my spirit because it was just a ultimate <laughs> waste of two hours. And you were like, "I just wasted ninety minutes and got a seven minute interview with Rodney Anderson." <laughs> it was me, you know, some so other they were too beat efficient, writers. Like the rooms were, or maybe they showed up late and they were running late to get to their spots, so and they so had everything to catch was up. open. Yeah, yes, it, it was just weird where you didn't have that one-on-one time before the breakout session because sometimes you try to talk to those players beforehand so then you don't have to bug them as much in the breakouts because you got what you needed but that wasn't the case but for me like okay so it started you know 5 a.m radio starts uh you don't end till four and then i went up to the room and i actually took a two-hour nap and then got up and started working uh but it's like from the moment the players come into the door together. Like, all the TV cameras start rushing at them to get their B-roll, including Eddie. Uh, the photographers rush at them to get there. And, and Give me a good side. And it's just like, it's chaos. And it doesn't stop for like six hours. It just drains you. But I love it. I mean, I, it's it's great. Because it's the start. it's really the start of football season. It is. It's the official unofficial start. And I thought everybody was, like we said, the, the guys, all very personal. It was a they pleasant surprise. Even Ben Powers with his 
I like to crush a grown man's dreams. Crusher of dreams. That's so his good. nickname. By was, the way, Kevin, I, said, I said that this morning. Uh, the thing is, though, when you say people always ask me before you say something, nobody's really asking you. Nobody's asked him. <laughs> Maybe I'll ask him on. Uh, I'll ask I need him. to go find that right. You guys fill here. I'm going to find this real quick. I thought that was good. And then I thought the uh, the part about. Kind of uh, him taking a shot at Kansas and Kansas State was pretty good. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at who was at media day, two kids from the state of Kansas. Yeah. For OU. Yeah. And Powers was a full qualifier who didn't of have course, any Anybody would have died to have Bledsoe. In the end, it was down to OU and Kansas, and which is so funny. Here's cause, Ben Powers. Okay. Said, we don't have to give him a scholarship because we know he Isn't was that terrible? Oh, that's their whole deal. Know. It's too bad. Yeah. And they miss out on players like me? All the time. No, it's crazy. People don't realize how good some players can play. And it's happening all over the place. There's a guy named, you know, Tim Grunhardt, a famous... How does a program like K-State or KU let so many guys right under their nose escape and then wonder why they can't win a championship? doesn't make any sense to me. Uh... Yeah, he was... The bitterness has not slowed down. Ben Powers is a very bright guy, it would seem. He really is. That's why I dubbed him the accountant. Pretty good stuff. Uh, I'm going to find who was it that the sent other, that out? The other TJ part? Eckert, right? Yeah, TJ yes. from Tulsa. Okay, so here's TJ Eckert's uh, Twitter account. You know, a lot of people ask me what motivates me. What motivates me is I love taking a grown man's dreams and crushing it. <laughs> that's straight up from With the, a straight face. You, know, you a need, lot to, of people you need ask to see the video. Me. I think that's something that gets preached uh, maybe in his position meetings. I could see his uh, position coach. Oh, Bill Beanbo high fived him after that, no doubt. I, I could see Beanbo having that as like a tramp stamp on the back of on his back. Crusher you know, of dreams. A lot of Crusher of dreams. Me. I love that. It's like an Eminem line. It's really good. It's a really good line. Ooh. Crushing another grown man's dreams is like one of the more I don't know if it's savage things you can say, but it's one of the more savage things we you can go say. We got to go one more time. Thanks to TJ Eckert. Offensive line, man. We just do our job, and we go home at the end of the day happy that we dominated the man in front of us. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me what motivates me. What motivates me is I love taking a grown man's dreams and crushing it. He looked so right good. in the camera. Just right in like the camera. He was, he, was very, he was very, I think he was coached up on talking to the camera. He, for like each each thing right. because I like, noticed that like, like stared through the yes camera. I noticed yes. that when he was talking to like when I asked him something I almost said something to him about it like hey you don't have to do that man <laughs> it's kind of freaking me out <laughs> I would not want to be on the other side of that dude no not at all and we don't know who's going to be on the other side of that dude on either side which is interesting yeah because you got Cody Ford Adrian Ely. Creed Humphrey, Jonathan Alvarez. It's going to be interesting to see how that all works out. I I guess Cody Ford, like if I had... That was one thing I, I had didn't to make ask a, about, but that would be a good decision. thing to ask Right. Sunday. You didn't want to ask too many team yeah. things when you could do it Sunday. Although you did get the people that were from like Waco. Tell us about Tana Motokai. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you did. He's going to do real well. Was, there were Jaqueline Crawford questions. Were Rockdale. There? Rockdale, Texas. I could play him. I got him, I got him <laughs> queued up if you want him. Somebody came all the way over from Rockdale. Hmm. Coach, coach, Jaqueline Crawford, tell us about the young. Talk us, tell us about the 2021 opener. <laughs> Thank you, Chris Lincoln. Varsity football. Thank you, Chris Lincoln. No Chris Lincoln. So sad. 
missing. The veterans of all, you know, Barry Trammell's the last of the dying breed, I think. There's been a massive By the way, he overall. had the most Confucius thing that I've ever, one of the most Confucius things I've ever heard this week. When uh, people were asking whether Lincoln Riley was lying about Kyler Murray, and Barry Trammell said, it's not really a lie if everybody knows you're lying. Words to live by. I thought we were going George Costanza. It's not a lie if if you, <laughs> if you believe. believe it. Yeah, no, it's a. I don't think Costanza was was in his mind at all. But it's not really lying if everyone knows you're lying. I appreciate that. Words to live by, kids. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, ah, last thing, yeah. Last chance. You is Friday. Oh yeah. Tremond Moore will be in this season. Is he really though in the season? He has to be. He's too, Maybe in too the big beginning. of a name. He's too big of a name. But the fact he didn't play, I mean, I guess they can they chronicle him just disappearing. And we've been told that the coaches are crazy. Yes. Like I've heard or that, that Tremond is I've crazy. I've heard that this coach makes Buddy uh, Stevens look like a saint. Well, th- I do know that the coaches don't like Tremond. They don't more. like Tremonda. So we're gonna see how that all unfolds. Of course, uh. Tremonda wasn't liked by Rashawn either. Woods. Yeah. Well, just because he was trying to go public with these commitment things when it never stood a chance. He was making him look bad. Yes. Well, it's just like he included OU in his original top three or whatever. Correct. And OU had already dropped him, basically. All right. So, last chance you. I got to admit, I quit halfway through the last season. I love season one. Season two, I was just like, I can't watch this shit again. Dakota it Allen is, was it's, good. It's PTSD for me because I played Juco in baseball. And it's just frustrating and, to watch these kids just be complete. But it's not ups. just football. In every sport, you have idiots in Juco. And being a full it, qualifier, yeah. I was like, I was not having it. You don't want to be like Dakota Allen. I think the reason he rebounded so well, because he was like, oh my God, what a bunch of f-ing idiots. Yeah. Why did like I, I really screwed I up commit, my life this bad? Why did I commit an armed robbery? Maybe Parish Cobb could have used East Mississippi. I don't think he would have made it. <laughs> he would have just robbed everybody in that seven hundred population town. Only reason you you go can't down rob there. anybody in that town because it's just like that's you. the guy right there. Yeah, Every, the only reason that you would have gone down there is to go see uh, Miss whatever her name is. But she left. She left. Brittany Wagner. Brittany Wagner. When's the last time you Googled her? Uh, not too long ago, because she she left. Uh, she left. She's she's working for somebody else now, right? Oh, she left the job she left for. No, I think she. I don't know oh, okay. about that, but she left the school. She really didn't care about those kids. Pretty she obvious. Was, she was kind of a podcast whore. Oh, she knew exactly what she was doing. She was on everybody's podcast. She knew exactly what she was doing. She would not say no. <laughs> There's a real well, joke in there somewhere, Eddie. I bet there, yeah, there definitely is. <laughs> she was a single mother. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, appreciate Josh McQuistion, who has left us, Eddie Radosovich, Bob Prisbillo. Uh, sign up for Soonerscoop.com. There's never been a better time. Season is underway. It'll be news, news, news from here on out. More podcasts, more stuff. Uh, so go sign up for Soonerscoop.com. Please help us support this podcast. That's going to do it. Until next time, we'll see you right back here uh, next week on the Unofficial 40, brought to you by Soonerscoop.com. Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.